You're listening to a podcast from St. Barts. To find out more about our church or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au. Well, as we come to week four in our series in Jeremiah, it'd be really helpful to have your Bibles open. So Jeremiah chapter 23. There's also an outline on the back of the news. So if you want to look at that, there's some sermon points there in English, Korean, Dinka and simplified Chinese. But right now, let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, would you please give us wisdom to discern what is true from what is false, hearts that long for what you desire and not what we desire, and your spirit that we may call on the name of the Lord who saves. We pray in his name. Amen. So far in Jeremiah, as God's people have turned for the Lord and turned to other things, they have anchored their security and boasted in those things which are false. They have put their trust in fake religion, thinking the temple secured their future, in fake gods, making idols out of almost anything. And now we see in chapter 23, in fake prophets, shunning God's word and embracing what their itching ears wanted to hear. They keep tethering themselves to that which is false, whilst simultaneously severing themselves from that which is true. This isn't just like lopping off the tree branch that you're standing on, but this is anchoring your safety harness to a branch which is on fire, riddled with light ants, and the chainsaw is already halfway cutting it through, all the time when you've got a perfectly secure trunk right there. Jeremiah warns them, get off the branch. The people respond, this is fine. But everything was not fine. Judgment is coming. The leaders, both kings and priests, have let them down. Their prophets are full of lies. Now, sometimes when we think of prophets, we might immediately think a prophet is someone who foretells the future. That's the focus of being a prophet. You know, something like at 11am on the fourth Sunday of October, there will be coffee served in the foyer at St. Bard's. Okay, that wouldn't be that, that impressive of a foretelling, would it? But, but, you know, on this day, at this hour, this particular thing is going to happen. <laughs> but that's not how we see prophecy in focus in the Bible. The, the focus of a prophet's role is less about foretelling the future and more someone called by God to speak God's truth into a particular moment of time to warn them of the trajectory that they are on and what they need to do now to change course. As teaching, preaching declares God's truth, there is a prophetic element to it as well. Jeremiah's call is for God's people to return to the Lord, the fake prophets say there's nothing to see here. Well, of course, it turns out that there's still plenty of fake prophets around today, and we can learn how not to get caught up in that, how not to get sucked in by that, by considering the situation, our response, and God's promise. So first, the situation, very simply, wake up, there are false prophets. So let's have a look. Verse 9 of chapter 23. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I am like a drunken man, like a strong man overcome by wine, because of the Lord and his holy words. 
The land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land lies parched, and the pastures in the wilderness are withered. The prophets follow an evil course and use their power unjustly. It really is a terrible situation. When we read, my heart is broken within me, all my bones tremble, this is Jeremiah speaking. He's got lots of feelings towards the prophets and they are not good feelings. He's grieved. Not only have the kings and priests of God's people failed them, but false prophets have emerged and they've really gained great traction. Jeremiah is like a drunken man not in the sense of being out of control, but he's in turmoil. Convicted by God's word, and in light of all that he sees, he's distressed, he's full of sorrow for God's people as they merrily trundle into peril. He just can't stand there and do nothing. The fruit of the prophet's lies we see has affected everything, so the effects of the injustices even spill out onto the very land itself. There's really nothing redeeming at all about these prophets. We read, verse 10, they follow an evil course and abuse their power. Verse 11, they do wicked things even in the temple. Verse 13, they prophesy in the name of other gods. They live lives of moral corruption. And verse 14, they even encourage and endorse the evil action of others. Now, when you hear that list and when you keep reading through all the details, it might be easy to think, wow, how could you miss that? I mean, it's terrible. But instead of the abhorrent nonsense being dismissed, the, the lies of the prophets actually deeply resonated with God's people. It's been embraced. The wickedness of the prophets has spread like a, a virus infecting everyone. They have become, in the words of the Lord, like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. These were cities synonymous with wickedness. If you thought of wickedness, you thought of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you thought of Sodom and Gomorrah, you thought of judgment lying ahead. But Jerusalem, Jerusalem is meant to be the promised land. Jerusalem is meant to be the physical embodiment and the epicenter of the hope of what it means to be God's people and God dwelling with them. But instead, this place has become the opposite it's become Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what the people have become to me, says the Lord. And so we read in verse 15, from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has spread throughout the land. When I read through just how comprehensively wicked these prophets were, I have to say that I'm really at first, even not just at first, I'm really just baffled at how God's people could be so extensively and so easily duped. I mean, how could they not see this? You want to say, come on, folks. There's so many clues here. We'll consider some of those clues. They might help us to identify false prophets very soon. But know that the ability to recognise a false prophet begins first with the humble recognition that we have the potential to be led astray. Now, that's really sobering. But we shouldn't be so foolish nor so arrogant to assume that we are immune from this. Not only because false prophets are real, I've seen plenty just on social media this week, okay? But we've got to recognise that what makes us susceptible is not the mere existence of false prophets, but sometimes because 
our hearts are desperate to hear things that we want to believe, the things that they say, because we like the political leaning or because they endorse a particular way that we want to live or they promise a longing that we're desperate to be fulfilled or they affirm a prejudice that we prefer to remain unchallenged or especially, as in the case for Jeremiah, they preach a message that makes us comfortable. It's amazing, actually, what we're willing to believe, what dodgy biblical interpretations will not scrutinise when it happens to line up with something that's of our heart's desire. False prophets don't have a name badge. They don't have a uniform. Jesus warned that they'll be dressed in sheep's clothing. Jesus warned even that some of them will even perform really impressive things. We can be susceptible because often they simply tell us what we want to hear. And of course, that's precisely what Paul warned Timothy. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. There are false prophets. That's the situation. We need not only be aware of their existence, but also acknowledge our propensity to want to hear what they have to say. So what should be our response? Do not listen to them. Verse 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? Do not listen to them. So you might remember the word listen carries a sense of not only hearing but also obeying. God is saying, don't listen to them, don't obey what these prophets are saying. There's plenty of reasons for that. Not only are their words unable to save you, but the effect of their words is actually going to do the opposite. It's quite incredible that even though Jeremiah spells out to the people why they shouldn't listen to these false prophets... It seems that even in exile, so years later, even after they had faced judgment, they kept on listening to the lies of the prophets, the ones who said it was going to be okay. They still didn't see it or they weren't willing to see it. We need to avoid that. We need to be equipped to recognise them. And I think Jeremiah gives us at least three tests, so three ways to spot a false prophet. Okay, so we consider their authority, their message, and their living. So let's have a look at those. So this week, you know, as you encounter someone making some sort of claim on Facebook or something like that, before you hit like, okay, or before you share it, or before you like go, oh, that deeply resonates with my heart or something like that, apply these tests, okay? So first test, what is the source of their authority? So whereas Jeremiah was sent by the Lord, the Lord says with reference to these false prophets, verse 20, I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. 
They might sometimes actually even prophesy in God's name. Other times it seems that they were prophesying in other God's names. But the point is that their authority is only really derived from themselves. Now, sometimes that's going to be really easy to assess. If someone says something to you and they mention another God, okay, or they deny that Jesus is Saviour and Lord, then you can quickly dismiss them as false. Okay? That's nice and tidy. If they claim to have some sort of special insights that no one else has ever had, well, you need to be very wary. But sometimes it's not going to be that straightforward. But there's definitely going to be some clues. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that some might even speak in his name, some might even do miraculous things, yet they do not belong to him. So we need to be discerning. So when they speak, do they ever reference God's word? Or is it usually special revelation that only they have received? When they speak, do they point to themselves or do they point to the Lord? A false prophet will speak on their own authority rather than speaking as a humble servant of God. Second test, what is the content of their message? So does their the message contradict God's word? Well, then their message is not from God. Does their message distort God's word? Then their message is not from God. At the time of Jeremiah, it's clear that some of the things which they were proclaiming, the false prophets, were just outright lies like who you can sleep with or what gods you can worship. Now, they were easy lies to detect, but only if people were bothered. Other times, it seems that some of the prophets were more interested in their their dreams and what they could imagine rather than what the Lord has actually said to them. God says that these dreams were delusions of their own minds. So it's what we'd actually call in modern days individual relativism, you know, you can make it to mean whatever you want it to mean. This had become the authoritative basis on which they would preach. So imagine this morning, as I get up the front, if I said, well, we're just going to close up God's word and put that to the side, and let me tell you about a dream that I had. I hope someone pretty quickly would get up and encourage me to sit back down. A false prophet will speak on their own authority. It's one of the reasons why here at St Bart's, every time a sermon is preached, or every time a small group is gathered, or every time our kids go along to Sunday school, we want our Bibles to be open. God's word is authoritative. It is the measure of truth. God could, of course, speak through a dream, but it will never contradict his word. You might remember when the devil lies to Jesus in the wilderness when he tries to tempt Jesus the way that Jesus discerns what is true and confronts the lie is with the truth of God's word sometimes though there are going to be things which are difficult to discern there's no doubt about that but the majority of time especially on the most crucial of topics it's very clear If someone claims to know precisely when Jesus is returning, they're wrong. For not even the sun knows the hour nor the day. If someone claims that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they're wrong. For the scriptures attest that Jesus died and the third day he rose again. If someone claims that you need 
some special extra knowledge or do some special thing other than trusting in Jesus to be saved? Well, that's false. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God said to the people that one of the reasons that they should not listen to the prophets was because what they were prophesying was filling them with false hope. So whilst Jeremiah preached the truth that God had sent him with, the judgment was coming in response to their turning away, the false prophets preached lies, verse 17, saying, you will have peace, no harm will come to you. So actually, these were some of the very first preachers of prosperity. And that message in many ways is similar to one that is often preached today, that there is no judgment, that everyone is fine, that there is peace without repentance, forgiveness without receiving God's grace and trusting in Jesus. But that's simply not true. A false prophet will speak by their own words rather than courageously speaking God's words. At the end of the 18th century, there was an American clergyman, Phillips Brooks, and in a series of talks that he gave on preaching, he said of this, of the preacher, Courage is the indispensable requisite of any true ministry. If you are afraid of men and a slave to their opinion, go and do something else. Go and make shoes to fit them, but do not keep on all your life preaching sermons, which shall say not what God sent you to declare, but what they hire you to say. Third test. What is the fruit of their living? Charles Spurgeon quite famously said, not very happily, but quite famously said of a minister that he knew that they were a very good preacher, but also a very bad Christian. In fact, they said people would have preferred him just never to leave the pulpit. Now, obviously, that won't do. That doesn't mean that preachers or teachers or prophets are sinless or something like that. Of course not. But these prophets lived in a way that was absolutely inconsistent with God's standards. So there's a few big red flags here. Okay, so verse 10, not only were they sexually immoral and abused their power, but elsewhere we read of their drunkenness and their greed. At times they preached one thing and they lived a completely different way. At other times they, they preached sin and they thought that there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Jesus said you'll spot a false prophet by looking at the fruit of their lives. A false prophet will live a lie rather than living with faithfulness and integrity. What is the basis for their authority? What is the content of their message? And what is the fruit of their living? Over the last three weeks, as we've been going through Jeremiah, we've consistently witnessed how priests, kings and prophets have all failed God's people. They've peddled lies, they've propagated evil, They've preached prosperity. The people have turned away from God. They've turned to other things. And they've refused to turn back to him. But God has not turned his back on them. Judgment will come, but it will not be the end. We see right at the beginning of this chapter, almost bringing all this section together, that the way that God will pave a way for his people is by sending them one who will not fail them. God's promise is that he will send the good shepherd. 
Back to verse 4. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous saviour. I think it's kind of extraordinary that despite the people's really consistent unfaithfulness, did you notice and have you noticed that God keeps calling them his people? And in fact, throughout Jeremiah, he refers to them as his people over 40 times. And, And it's really the most wonderful reassurance. When Jeremiah proclaims that there will come a time when they will have a faithful shepherd, a shepherd who will lead and love his people in a way that honours God and keeps pointing them back to God, that whilst the line of human kings descended from David will end, that there will be a son of David who will not fail them. God's people might be really good at cutting off the branch under them, but God is going to save a branch, save a people for himself. As surely as he brought them out of Egypt, he's going to bring them out of Babylon. But there's something else significant here, that there's an even greater shepherd, a perfect shepherd to whom Jeremiah points, a shepherd king who will reign with righteousness and justice, a shepherd king who will be God's king and a saviour of his people, a shepherd king who won't just redeem his people from exile, but he'll save us from sin and death. A shepherd king who would not be evil nor lead his people onto death, but a shepherd who would even lay down his life that we might live. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God's people cried out for a message from the Lord, but they failed to listen to him. Yes, there are, there are countless false prophets in the world today who will tell us all sorts of things that our hearts often want to hear. We must be aware that they exist. We also must not listen to them. But living faithfully is not merely not listening to that which is false, but listening to what is true, to the one who is true. You know, sometimes Christians can be so strangely obsessed by the new and the novel, desperate to hear God's voice, but fail to listen to what has already said. In God's kindness, he's not left us hanging. He's not left us not knowing his thoughts. Jesus is the good shepherd. A good shepherd whose authority is from God, for he is God. A good shepherd whose message is, has never strayed, for his words are God's words. A good shepherd who lived in a perfect accordance with what God desires. If you want to detect what is false, 
simply look to the one who is truth. The source of life, the gate through which we enter, and the one through whom we're saved. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the extraordinary news, such good news that Jesus is the good shepherd. Lord, how we thank you that we can look to him, put our trust in him, and be sure of forgiveness, grace, and salvation. Lord, we thank you that even though we have turned our back on you, even though we can be tempted to listen to that which is false, that you sent your son to die for us and rise victoriously. Lord, we pray that you would really, in the power of your spirit, give us wise discernment. Lord, help us not to be duped by false teaching or false prophecy, but that we might keep coming back to you. Lord, please help us wise to recognise the authority with which people speak, or the content of their message and the integrity of their living. Lord, please be at work in us that we might be faithful witnesses who proclaim your truth to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a podcast from St Bart's. To learn more or to take the next step, visit stbarts.com.au.